Welcome in to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Super Bowl coming up. We'll get you all ready with the best props as well as who is better, best, or bestest between Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield. Also talking a little, little baseball. So to my right is the takes. A guy who's honestly been on hiatus from this podcast about as long as UC basketball has been off. I think it's been about a month since we've seen you. Sadness. Uh, it's the takes. It's Zach. Zach, uh, what, what are we taking on today? What, what's your take for today? My take for today is Major League Baseball as a whole and the Major League uh, Baseball Players Association. You know, they're still going back and forth here yeah. on the season. And I keep saying this. Why can the NFL? They just played a whole goddamn season. Yeah. With no problem. A few bumps. I mean, a few bumps, but I mean, overall, no problem, right? They're about to have the Super Bowl next weekend. A sham Super Bowl, by the way, but about to have a Super Bowl. Well, their commissioner somewhat likes their sport, so. I mean, I know. I don't, I don't get it. And now they're talking about maybe going 154 game. The Players Union doesn't. You know, play what, what's really the difference? Like eight games? Exactly. They want to push it back because they can't have fans. Well, they have but a, a lot th- of leagues, a lot of teams had fans. It depends on the what's well, a Now they might not even have spring make. training. I know. Because Arizona is. I don't. It's all over the all I'm Basically, all I'm saying is. They're about another generation from being relegated behind the MLS and soccer to being a fourth major sport. Like, they need to get it. They can't afford to keep – they can't play another shortened season. I'm sorry. They can't. The guy in the ones and twos. Josh, what are we taking on today? My take is that we are about to hit uh, one of the most unique run of beers, uh, beer of the weeks coming up. Uh, We've got this – Schwarz beer today. Um, We've got uh, one from the Yellow Springs coming up, and then we've got one from the old – Port Clinton, Ohio. We haven't had many beers up from that corner of Ohio. We got one of those coming up. So I think quite quite a many unique beers we're about to see. And I'm sure we all remember our discussion on Port Clinton from a couple of weeks ago. So. Port Clinton. Very so Port Clinton. Very wonderful area that we're sure to visit at some point, maybe. We have, of course, the talent, the guy who keeps you on the tracks. My name is Greg. My opening take is about young is about young teams. Youngstown. Youngstown and young teams. Because sometimes you have to cut players because they're screwing around in Youngstown, like Kevin Porter Jr. (laughs) Sometimes you have to (laughs) let young teams work through their up and downs. And a lot of people have been down on the Cavs this week after a one and four week, but they're a team with a bunch of guys under 25. They're going to have their good days. They're going to have their bad days. They're going to have their good weeks where they beat the Nets twice. They're going to have their bad weeks where... They lose to basically everybody but the Pistons. So sometimes you just have to let those teams work through their their ups and their downs, their tough parts, and you'll kind of see the promised land. Recapping all of last week's action in the state of Ohio, we start with some good news in central Ohio. Though the Jackets are back on the ice, they were on fire this week with a four-game winning streak. That was snapped Sunday night versus Chicago. The Jackets currently sit in a tie for first place in the Central with 11 points. Although, you know, they have played like four more games than most of the division. Uh, In Northeast Ohio, though, things were a bit more rocky as the Cavs experienced growing pains in full force with a 1-4 week, including a loss to lowly Minnesota last night. Though they do get a chance tonight in the rematch to try to rebound. And finally, with Selection Sunday just over a month away, Ohio's teams are starting to round into form as Dayton took down number 22 St. Louis on Tuesday night, 76-71. 
I believe called by the entire 30 rack crew. What? What? And the Buckeyes finished the week 2-0 with wins over both Penn State and Michigan State to move up to number seven in the country, setting up a 7-8 matchup Thursday night in Iowa City versus the Hawkeyes. Guys, those are your OH headlines. All right, our beer of the week this week comes from Northeast Ohio, comes from uh, not a city, guys, not a village, not a town, but a census location, according to Google, (laughs) in Fresno, Ohio. It is the Woolly Pig Farm Brewery in Fresno, Ohio, and it's their Schwarzbier Black Lager. Now, Josh, I believe you were the one that picked up this beer. You made a, on your way back from Northeast Ohio, you made a stop basically in the middle of nowhere in Ohio to stop yeah. at Woolly Pig. Uh, thoughts on the brewery? There were so, actually pigs there, I believe? Yeah, there were actually pigs there, and they are very wooly. Um, they're absolutely massive. And when we went, there were um, what I'm assuming piglets um, kind of off. You could go look at them like in a pen and You're everything. You're assuming piglets. You're not, I'm not sure. sure. It's, I'm not sure how old they were. Why are you were. not sure? These things are mad. Like the 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 granddaddy, what they call them, is about as big as this table here. Holy And fuck. so the piglets ranged from like yay to like half of this table. Hard to tell. They're also extremely hairy. Uh, but cool nonetheless because they're kind of right there. And then there's a hillside and some you can see some of them run down. It's really a cool place. Um, you can read about it. And I'm sure we'll have a little bit of your reciting later, Zach, about the place. But it is a farm brewery. And like they say on their website, it's a bit of Bavaria in central Ohio. Really cool. Um, and then, yeah, it is the only place you can get their beer right now is at their tap room. They sell bottles, these cool little things right here. Yeah, you can cool. definitely tell it's Bavarian and not uh, not American. They sell their beer. We have this Schwartz beer in 500 milliliter bottles. So uh, yes, it, 16.9 fluid ounces over here. They very much side. stick to their uh, German roots there with uh, just about everything from the brewing process to all their beer styles. Um, and I understand it's in Coshocton County, which I know is a big hunting county. And I understand it's the last week of uh, archery deer season. So if you're heading out to Coshocton County, stop by Wooly Pig Farm Brewery after a good hunting sesh. Yeah, and if, if you're not... What have you. There's also a wine trail out there. If you're not familiar with uh, where Coshocton is or... Right uh, along the Tuscarawas River. Ooh, nice pronunciation. <laughs> Thank you. Or where Fresno, Ohio is, if you draw basically a straight line from Zanesville to Akron, it's about halfway in between that, maybe a little yeah. bit closer to Zanesville. So a little bit off 77, just north of 70. So Good stop if you're, if looking, you're headed south after a pro uh, Hall of Fame visit. There yep. you go. Hall of Fame visit, making your way around, I guess, you know, Seems like a very interesting place, and uh, definitely get a chance to visit it if you're ever out that way. Um, there's other stuff to do out there. Like I said, there's a wine river trail. There's a bunch of wineries out there, so make it worth your while. Make a trip out of it. This beer in particular, though, guys, uh, Schwarz beer, a black lager, good for this time of year because it's very similar to a stout, and where it's mm-hmm. got like that roasty maltness to it. It's big on the chocolate flavor. But it's not heavy like a stout being a heavy beer. Yeah. This is just more a dark beer. It's 4.4%. Good to warm warm the body up on the cold days, but not like the heavy milkiness of a stout. But a yeah. lot of similar characteristics. Yeah, I mean, coming into it, 
you know, I saw Schwartz beer and I was thinking, hey, heavy beer, stout, something's going to kind of right. bog you down. And then you see the 4.4%, and you're kind of like, hold on a second, is this going to be a beer? Is this going to be something watery? Yeah. Like, you kind of kind of have all those thoughts. But drinking it, it's flavorful, but it's not heavy. It's one of those things where it gives you kind of the nice stout flavor, but it's not overpowering, and it's a very much a drinkable beer. I think it's one that you could sit back and probably even have a couple of. You know, porters are usually something that you kind of have one, and you're like, all right. I'm Maybe. Yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty good now. Maybe I'll switch to something a little bit lighter. But I think this is actually one that, you know. Oh, I could drink this all. You I could, could chug it. Yeah, you could drink it. I mean, you know, these obviously more than your normal 12-ounce. Um, I like it, though. Yeah, your 12-ounce bottles, close to about a, a beer and a half. I like the uh, the label Yeah, and it as gives, well. It, I do like the The cool the, thing uh, about the label is it gives you on the side here, it gives you just about everything. Oh, yeah. So you can see it's got the chocolate wheat and just regular chocolate malts in it. And then it's got the traditional Munich and Pilsner, as well as the, I'm going to mispronounce this, but Hollerchauer traditional hops. So a lot of German ingredients yeah. there that are very traditional the IBU, and the traditional see on there. Um, yeah, this is yeah. less of like kind of the, you know, fancy, you know, uh, micro brew beers that you might have. This is more of a traditional kind of German lager yeah. where mm-hmm. it has, you know, it's it's like where they have their standard, you know, lagers or Kolsch's or Schwartz beers. This is more of that where you, you know, sit around in Germany and have it. It's not one of those, you know, giant heavy right. beers with all these different, you know, flavors. It's yeah. just kind of like, hey, this is the traditional style, but it's done very, very well. Well, I and like I, I said, it's good nowadays because a lot of people want that that same stout flavor, kind of that roastiness with a little smoky chocolate in there, mm-hmm. but they don't want the heavy kind of milkiness of well, a yeah. stout. This is perfect for an alternative to that. Well, I'm sure we'll have a little bit more time to discuss this beer, uh, sip on it a little bit uh, during our our big chugs and our little sips. Big before chug we coming get up, talking some baseball. Yeah, talking some baseball. Uh, you know, we have Zach's reading of the can coming up. But first, uh, let's talk a little Super Bowl, guys. Let's talk bowl. For our first quick sip, we've got OUP, we've got overs, unders, and we've got props, 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 props. Very nice. You went on a bar too long. But oh, I'm sorry. A little well, flat. A little long. Well, I believe, Josh, you have some Super Bowl props uh, from everywhere from probably scoring touchdowns to dumping Gatorade baths, everything you can bet on for the Super Bowl is usually on tap on, you know, your local sports book. But we've got a few props, possibly some good values. Josh, what do we have? Yeah, our, our our listeners say the length of the anthem is actually they're one of their favorite prop bets. You can go and vote on this now at our Twitter at 30 Rack of Sports. Uh, others say it's the color of the Gatorade shower. Uh, we'll get to a couple. We'll get to both of those. Uh, the weekend. You guys know the weekend. I, love I can't feel my face. Oh, yeah. yeah. Blinding Lights, which is the favorite for the first song, plus 175. No, it can't be. 
Yeah, no, that, you got to You wouldn't lead it. No, no, you, you come lead, in because all the lights are all that? the lights are off. They always start with the lights off. No, I'm betting you blinding lights is in the middle. I what? would I would go here. And they dark everything in the middle. Josh knows nothing about production. No, no. Plus, I'm taking the plus two fifty odds on the hit from a couple years ago with Starboy. Um, now, also at 250 is Pray For Me. Now, Starboard features Daft Punk, and Pray For Me features uh, Daft Punk. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, both of whom you can bet on to who will appear with The weekend. Kendrick. So that'd be cool. I'd, I'd take either of them, really. Uh, Gatorade Shower. Greg, I believe you won big on the Gatorade, Gatorade yeah, Shower last, last year. Last year hit plus 750 on Orange Gatorade. So Yeah. Uh, Orange favorite, orange favorite, I'll call it. It's the favorite this year at plus one twenty-five. Don't fall for the favorites, folks. Uh, red slash pink is plus two twenty, and then yellow, green, lime, whatever you want to call it, that's plus three fifty. Dark horses here, good value. Purple plus six hundred. Blue, blue's a good one. I think blue at plus seven hundred is pretty decent value. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to be clear at plus six twenty-five. I'd steer clear of clear. No, yeah. I mean, that may be the Patriot way, but that's not the Tom Brady way. Well, I'd look lemon lime. So those are two of the some some of the ones that our fans might like. I've got two interesting value ones here for you guys. So the national anthem. There's a lot of stuff you can bet on for the national anthem, which is by with who's some doing R- the anthem? It's Eric Church with some other R&B singer. They're not going to drag it out then. Well, yeah. So the over under is two minutes and three seconds. Two. The under coming in is the slight favorite here at minus one thirty-five. The over Ooh, at minus one hundred five. Seems too quick. That's not the interesting play here. There's uh, there's a ton of stuff Normally that you can you get about go two for. Minutes. That's what I mean. I think the two three is good. Here's the interesting one: a scoring drive to take less time than the national anthem. Yes. That is estimated. At, <laughs> yes. You're With the Chiefs yes? on the field. Oh my God. Yeah. They're and at least Scotty, got one. Yeah. And Scotty Miller, which you've seen. A lot. Is There's definitely fan. some explosiveness. Do you on... want me to turn this into like a grievance session since I was okay? There's definitely some, you know, explosiveness on both the teams. But I... ah, no, yes is minus two thirty, so heavy be... favorite. But yeah. like, I personally see a little bit of value in no at plus one sixty five. There won't be a drive that is ah. less time than the national anthem. It'd have to be less than two minutes. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I feel like that's some decent value there. No, yeah, yeah, some de- I mean. You know, you're looking for maybe a Tyree Kill play, but maybe not. But the other thing is, if you right. get a turnover in the red zone or something. Exactly. One of those things can break that entirely. Here's the really interesting Tom Brady one. at night, he's old. Three unanswered scores. Will there be three unanswered scores? No. Yeah, right. That's no. Now, this is a way heavier tilt here than I thought it would be. Minus 210 for yes, there will be three unanswered scores. So you're looking at a plus 145 value here for no. There will not be three unanswered scores. I mean, these teams putting up three unanswered. I don't even think it's gonna be a high scoring field game goals, to be honest. Any scores? It's not touchdowns. Any scores? But yeah, like I would have a hard time thinking this. Teams like to get down a little bit hands. and come back, but yeah, I would say both teams play pretty decent ball control. I mean, you know, Bucks aren't as explosive on offense, but also Bucks have a better defense. You know, you got uh, JPP, right? Devin White, stuff like that. So yeah, I just feel like. Three unanswered scores, I feel like, is asking for a lot, and you can get that at plus 145 right now to say no to three unanswered scores. I feel like that's probably one of the best values on a special prop like that out there. Yeah, that's not bad. I like that. But that's your props, guys. Uh, You can find more uh, FanDuel, MyBookie, what have you, if you live close to the border of any state that touches Ohio, because we won't get into that right now. But look for those props if you're uh, into that whole thing. Uh, We look forward to Super Bowl 
weekend next week. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at 30 Rack of Sports to follow along with our Super Bowl reactions next weekend. Predictions, maybe bets. Right now I'm looking at Lemon Lime, but uh, we'll keep you posted at 30 Rack of Sports, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All right, for our next quick sip, we're talking a little bit of verses. So uh, recently, the TV channel. No, oh, it's yes. our new segment where we ver- take two people, we verse them against <laughs> oh. each other. You mean, are you talking about formerly NBC Sports Network versus NBC Sports Network also going away? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rip. Yeah. RIP to a real one. For this segment, we're talking about two players comparing them. Ups, downs, which one would you take? Would you rather have Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield? I think all of us just off the top would probably take Baker Mayfield and what we currently have with the Browns because if you're trading picks and your top wide receiver and you really need to fix the defense, who knows? But for right now, going forward, who do you want, Deshaun Watson or Baker Mayfield? I mean, I just want to take like the trade like out of the equation here because the trade is, I I just think the trade thing is ridiculous, but it does bring up the interesting question of, like, which quarterback is the better quarterback? Like, who would you, who would you have if you had your free pick between the two? And I, I Greg brings up a great point. As it currently stands, my gut tells me Baker. I was gonna say if you take a look at the stats just on their kind of surface level. You have Deshaun Watson, led the league in passing this year. Uh, a ton of yards, 5,800, 70% completion, almost 10 yards per attempt, 33-7 to 7 touchdown to interception ratio, averaged over 300 yards a game. You look at Baker, only 36, so 2,000 less yards, averaged you know, 75 less yards a game. 26 to 8 touchdown to interception, which is still really good. Only 7.7 yards per attempt. But then you take a look at Deshaun Watson and you go, hold on a second. This fellow plays in Houston, which is one, a nice climate, and two, a stadium with a roof. Deshaun Watson played 10 of his 16 games in a stadium with a roof. In the six games that he did not play in a stadium with a mm-hmm. roof, his average falls to just over 252 yards, including 163 in Cleveland, where Baker played eight games, and 219 in Chicago, which were yeah. his last two outdoor games in, in November, December. So at that point, you're starting to fall back to where Baker is. Also, you take a look, rushing offense, based on the personnel. If you're a bad team, you're falling behind, you got to throw more. Oh, yeah. Houston, 31st in the league in rushing. Cleveland, 3rd in the league in rushing. Points per game, Cleveland, 14th. Houston, 19th. Defense, Cleveland way better. So when you look at the top, you say, well, Watson has all these more yards, better completion, better touchdowns. But Baker wasn't expected to do what Deshaun is. So in a different offense, you look at Deshaun last year when they had a better rushing offense. And also his third year, which Baker was just in, so you know, third year for both players, both averaged seven point seven yards per attempt. So you're looking at the same guy, maybe just in a different offense. Right. And I think when you look at their head to head, you can see that a little bit because they've played one game in Houston 
back in 2018 and then played the one game in Cleveland this year. Obviously, a lot changed for both the teams in that time span. But when you look at their numbers in those two games, Mayfield 41 for 63, 529 yards, one touchdown, and unfortunately the three interceptions back in that game in Houston way back when. But he yeah, threw, that was a lot of like slinging it down the yeah, field. Yeah, I mean, back he threw for like 327 yards. But then Watson, uh, he's got 42 for 61, while Mayfield 65% completion in those two games. He's 69% completion, but only 387 yards. So I think that is just a testament to, A, the one game in Houston with a roof and the one game that Watson had to play in Cleveland. And then it's just a testament to the directions those teams are going. I think in the right system, some people might say Watson here. I think the one thing that you have to look at going forward... I would take Watson, but that's just me. I don't think it's a huge difference, but yeah, I would take Watson. I think he gets a little more of the prototypicals for me. Than uh, Baker does as far as size, arm strength. That's just me. Yeah, I think I don't he, think it's a huge difference though. I think you could do if I think you could do as well with either one of them. Yeah, I think I think Watson has a slight edge. I don't think he's like I was, elite. I guess right. I, I was morally taking it just in the current system. And I think okay. if, if, if fair enough, yeah. if there was a straight swap for whatever reason, the NFL forced it or something like right. that, and yeah. we got Deshaun Watson, I would not be. No, I know you're not right. saying that. But no. for where we are, I think I'd take Baker. But yeah, I think. I mean, if we're throwing like the picks, I think that's insane. Yeah, I think Baker's good enough to win a Super Bowl. Fix yeah. the rest of the problems. You're not going to give up picks for that. Yeah, I think both players can do a whole lot, but once again, there's a whole lot of outside things. But I think yeah. if you look at the stats on kind of a surface level... Honestly, I thought they were interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought that. When yeah. you're like breaking down some of those, and that, that was interesting, yeah. Yeah, when you when you just take it based on a headline grab, you say, well, right. Deshaun was the top pass in the league, and you know Baker's somewhere in the 20s, but then you also look, I mean... You saw the weather in a lot of those games in Cleveland. Oh, they weren't yeah. exactly well, pass you look happy. At what Baker... And Houston was down a lot, so you have to throw oh, a whole lot more. And they had no and, running game. Yeah. Exactly. You look at what they asked them to do. It says it all in their yards per attempt. Uh, the career-wise, Watson has an 8.9 yards per attempt. Mayfield a little about a yard and a half less. Because yeah. Mayfield doesn't need to get that kind of yardage. No. You get that kind of yardage out of Tubb and Hunt. You've got that already. Right. There's no need for like Not that he couldn't. We've seen that he can. But the end of the Ravens game. Yeah, the end of the yeah. Ravens game. His I mean, I mean, they lost, but I thought he balled out. Right. Yeah. That was not him. He carried them there. His, his best couple yeah. games were when, you know, that Ravens game. That's all you need. That's what I mean. That's yeah. how I know he can win. He's good enough where he can take over for a quarter or two yeah. and make some big plays. That's all you need. I, I don't think any of us are putting down either quarterback, but I think at the end of the day, whether or not we're Deshaun or Baker guys, the trade's ridiculous. Oh, and, well, yeah. yeah, but again, I wouldn't stand up for that guy. I feel like he got a lot of shakes. I mean, the Packers were on that list, yeah. and it right. wasn't. Well, and a lot of a lot of fans were like, "Oh, well, ba- Baker's had to go through so many different changes." And, he has, and he has. I think next but, year, like, I think it's also Baker, important to say, like, he had look three at Deshaun coaches in his first two years. Yeah. No, I know Deshaun. Yeah, but look at what Deshaun Watson also had I to go through. I can't wait for that Alabama so, offense to regress next year with Bill. Yeah, O'Brien. it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Also, leave it up to the fans. Let us know who do you think is a better quarterback going forward. Would you rather have Deshaun as your signal caller or would you rather have the big show? From a leadership standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, from a running your offense standpoint, Baker or Deshaun, let us know at 30 Rack Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
it is time for our big chug segment our big topic of the podcast we're talking some spring training some preseason baseball with uh spring training just a few weeks away guys with pitchers and catchers reporting hopefully 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 uh as some news out of arizona uh some of the governors from the phoenix area where a lot of sorry mayors (laughs) government leaders there you go governmental lords lords the lords Lords. squires lords (laughs) from uh from the phoenix area um came out to sign a document saying hey we push back spring training because COVID's pretty bad down here, okay? Okay. So some potential issues there with starting uh, spring training down in Arizona. Of course, the Grapefruit League down there. And in that area, in Goodyear, is where the uh, joint spring training home of the Reds and the Indians are. So it's called the Grapefruit League? Yeah. I mean the Cactus League. Well, the Cactus League. Yeah. Oh, good lord. Wah, wah, One of the two wah. leagues. One couple, of the two couple leagues. years back, I think there. A couple of years back, <laughs> yeah. Back when they were, back when they were in Florida before. Back Moving in on, Sar- what, Sarasota. Sarasota. Right before they moved over to. Indians Korea. were in Winter Haven. Winter Haven. Whoa. Whoa. But uh, spring training getting started. The hot stove heating up. Uh, but right now, for Major League, and especially for Ohio, it's more on like a, a light broil than it really is heating up on the hot stove. So far in free agency, only four teams have spent more than $100 million, uh, to give some uh, comparison to that. Past couple of years, there have been several $300 million plus contracts. So having only four teams spend more than $100 million is a little bit disappointing. Uh, only three spending more than $100 million in free agency. The, the Mets had a lot of uh, arbitration-eligible players to, to re-sign. So only uh, Toronto, Philadelphia, and the Yankees have signed more than $100 million to free agent players. Uh, as far as those specific players, only two players have signed for more than $100 million. Uh, Springer, George Springer and JT Real Muto. Only four have signed for more than $50 million, if you add in DJ LeMahieu and Liam Hendricks. And only six players have signed for more than two years, if you include the four previous players, and then James McCann and Jerickson Profire. So guys, not really the hot stove that we were looking for, especially with spring training right around the corner. But we start in Northeast Ohio, talking a little bit of Indians. The Indians so far have spent a total of $21.7 million in free agency, 8.7 on four arbitration eligible players, and then $13 million on two free agents in uh, Rosario and re-signing Cesar Hernandez. Zach, taking a look at some of the additions, um, well, some of them kind of retentions in <laughs> Cesar Hernandez, what are your thoughts on the kind of things being little bit on the cool side in since or in uh cleveland obviously did have the big lindor deal though um yeah i mean spent more money than i thought that's not surprising in the least bit um you know they were up front antonetti and chernoff were up front heading in the off season that the indians lost millions and they were at to cut payroll i'm not shocked by how slow i'm honest how slow it's been a period i mean most teams said they were not looking at any payroll um, across the leagues uh, or across you know, Major League Baseball. Yeah, so. the, the Indians, uh, I believe 
before the free agent signings, and I think they might have jumped maybe like the Rays, but before the free agent signings had the lowest yeah. payroll for 2021 I mean, in the league. None of that's surprising. Um, you know you're an Indians fan when you're excited about, not knocking Rosario, but you're excited about Eddie Rosario. You know, finally uh, finally an everyday guy in the outfield. And know. a guy that they stole from, from a rival, you yeah, know. from Minnesota. Was a guy that was in Minnesota that had... I mean, he's hit 25 to 32 home runs over the last and few years. the Indians a couple times. Right, and I think uh, the, he'll play better as far as, you know, some deep balls in Cleveland than playing at a very cavernous target field. Yeah. So, um, pretty, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm excited. I think um, it's time to see what some of these young guys got, but I think they're still going to be competitive. Yeah, you still got, I mean, Hernandez is a guy that, you know, we were talking before the show, is a 280 career hitter, yeah. was one of the guys when, when the Indians offense was he, basically he was, non-existent. He was the one guy that was consistently getting on base for him. From opening day through, you know, the Yankees series, most consistent hitter by far. Clearly, every, you know, always good for one or two hits pretty much. Um, you know, they're going to have a dominant is still pitching staff. Uh, I think the bullpen will be pretty good. We'll see what Clay brings to the table. It's, yeah, I think it's, you know, I don't know how many games they're going to play, uh, but if we were going to base it on a... 1 to 162, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, if we're just going to say off, you know, 162, just so that's easier. Yeah, this is an 80-85 win team, I think, still. So, so taking uh, a look... Uh, Josh, you have something? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, taking a look at, uh, you know, what they've lost in free agency, because you take a look at what they've added. Mm. Obviously, you lose your everyday shortstop in Lindor, but that was, you know, the trade over to the Mets. Have some shortstop prospects uh, coming back. And then you also lose Carlos Santana in free agency. Lose some, you know, just kind of some extra guys, I guess, some of your, you know, third, fourth outfielders. Who are you kind of looking to step up to take some of those spots going forward? Um, going forward, you know, I think first base, Bobby Bradley. Um, big, powerful kid, um, you know, has led the minor leagues pretty much in home or been up there pretty much every level in home runs. Uh, has spent a little time in Cleveland, big problems with strikeouts, but uh, I think they'll give him every opportunity to win the job at first base. Because um, I remember him being, he got called up in 19. I remember yeah. him playing maybe a little bit last year, but he was kind of up and down between like he the mid squad. He didn't come up at all last year, okay. but uh, he was in Lake County. No, yeah, in 2019, they gave him a little bit of a time. He's got nothing left to prove in the minors. I mean, you hope he cuts the strikeouts down, but he, I mean, he, I mean, powerful kid. I mean, he could be uh yeah, well, he was 40 like a plus 40 plus guy, guy in, in the minors where you kind of have the, the lesser seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's got some pop. I think you got him. Um, the other outfield spots, you know, you got Mikado, Zimmer, uh, Naylor, and then uh, Daniel Johnson, who's played in the Futures game, kind of vying for those three outfield spots. I think all three, assuming healthy, um, or four, sorry. Um will be in some kind of mix there at the big league level. And I think there's still some some optimism with them. Um, and then, you know, really, I mean, you know, you, you're bringing, um, you know, young shortstops in. I think Jimenez probably gets a shot at the utility job. Prob you know, the, that was the only weird thing about the Hernandez signing was he thought Jimenez was going to slide in there at second um, with um, – Ahmad, um, yeah, Ahmad Rosario. Ahmad Rosario. Sorry, Which, yeah, there are two Rosario. Uh, Ahmad Rosario 
most likely getting the shortstop job. Uh, I mean, they'll battle it out for shortstop. I think Res- Ahmad Rosario will probably win in. Jimenez probably has a shot with Yu Chang either at the utility role or probably they got to have minor league baseball this year, in my opinion. Probably going down triple A. I mean, he's only going to be 22-23. Uh, yeah, another question that, uh, you know, actually, Josh, also getting your thoughts on, because I know there was a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of talk about a potential Rosario trade to Cincinnati, uh, you know, with getting Jimenez and Rosario. Yeah. Now the Indians have, you know, two short stops. You wonder maybe Rosario is more of a stopgap, see what he can do. But on the red side, shortstop, really a position, Josh, that the Reds haven't really, you know, taken a good look at and done anything about in probably the last three or four years. I know they had Freddie Galvis. His kind of, they've had a couple stop gaps over the last few years, but, you know, probably since the playoff years, they've kind of had just some interesting plug-and-play guys out there. Yeah, they, yeah it, they've got to figure something out, and I, unfortunately the market's kind of passed on that, so it trades all that left. I'm not high on Rosario, but... He's still young. He had a good 2019. He's exactly. He's advanced his swing. As he said in the offseason, so curious to see. It'd be better than, and we'll get into that whole situation from the red side later, but for the Indians, you kind of are more in a position to to make that trade. It's just what are you really going to get? It's not something, like I said, Rosario's not bad or anything, but there are reasons to, you know, not make a huge trade there. Yeah, I don't know what the Reds would be willing to give up, and I don't know what the Indians would be willing. I think Rosario's still got a little bit of enough of an upside then uh, he's affordable, which the Indians love yeah. affordable. So I'm like, well, who are the Reds gonna willing to give up? Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I that, feel like that's I feel it. like the Indians front office and the Reds front office just the needs and they're and, not gonna match up. In yeah, my opinion. right, right. Yeah, and you look at I mean the last three years, basically since Zach Cozart left, uh, you know you had Jose Peraza for a year, you had Jose Iglesias for a year, and then you had Freddie Galvis. So kind of some. American League cast-offs for a year in the last couple of years. And that's why I kind of, Rosario kind of reminds me of Peraza a little bit to where, like, he wouldn't be bad or anything, but he definitely wouldn't add anything consistent. Right. You know? But I, let me ask you this. I mean, do you think the AL Central is going to be as competitive as it has been in recent years? Because I look at the White Sox, who for some reason have a new extremely old manager coming in <laughs> but they have they've added they do. some they've gotten they've, a, a, in a, i mean liam Hendricks was close to unhittable right they're, they're sureing they're sureing up that rotation a little bit the twins i don't think are going to be as competitive especially if they run into injury issues again i mean is what you, i think you said 84 85 wins is that going to do you think that's enough no i i i i do think it's the twins and white Sox year i think the indians know that the indians are kind of doing a little bit of a 2000 St. Louis Cardinals thing where they're still going to be competitive, but they're they're rebuilding on the one side. But like I said, this I mean, there's if you want to be asking me to be a little bold, if do I think the Indians could catch lightning in a bottle, if you will, and make a run kind of like 07 where they were kind of in the middle of that and then just took off because I mean, their pitching rotation top yeah, three is pretty in my solid opinion. Still. I mean, you got two. We'll see what Clay brings, but that's a you know, he hits triple digits and then Krenicek. Back in the bullpen could be very tough. I think you can find middle relievers anywhere. Basically, if you can find like some consistency from these young guys and then yeah, yeah. run with it mid-season. Some, if you can find some production, if 
Bradley can give you close to you know what Santana has given you, at least from a power standpoint. Obviously not from you know Santana was a, a much higher on base guy. Right. You find some cons- any sort of consistency in the outfield, but you really haven't had a consistent outfield hitter since. Michael Brantley was here? No, yeah. I mean, if you get Rosario, if um, I like Daniel Johnson, he's an interesting player. Maybe Mercado bounces back from a really bad year last year, but was pretty solid his rookie campaign. Um, Maybe Josh Naylor builds off that uh, great Yankee series and has a good year. And then, like I said, maybe Rosario Jimenez gives you some at shortstop. Um, And you got the... uh the DH that you got from... Oh, yeah, and Fran Mel Reyes. Yeah, Do you Fran think Mel he Reyes could be... I mean, he showed up. last year. Yeah, he he can carry an forward. offense for two months. He's got... Or two weeks. He's just got to be consistent. That's what I mean. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, am I? But it, it, I would say, if you ask me right now, it's going to be Twins, White Sox, then the Indians, who will probably spend, you know, beating up on the Tigers and Royals, who are deep in a rebuild. Neither of them will be anywhere near competitive. Um, and... No, I don't, I don't think it'll be enough. If you're asking me, I think it's going to be between those two. Yeah, I think the White Sox are, are starting to go more all in. I think yeah. Minnesota has taken maybe a step back but still has some players. The Indians are kind of in the middle of a rebuild. I would expect to see maybe the Twins and the Indians, depending. Those series are probably going to be big. Yeah, I mean, I could see them battling for a second. Up, but... Yeah, you could get them up between, you know, it's 80 to 90 wins, depending on who wins that. But it's also one of those things that. You know, if you have a few weeks where the bats go cold again, because you have some, you know, even younger guys. Oh yeah. And I mean, the offense. With the younger pitchers struggle, you could go through a lot of. You the, could go through, you know, a ten game. The win floor is very low. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, you know, Indians fans, those frustrating with the offense this past year. Uh, it could be even worse this right. year. So. Well, before we go to break, Zach, final yeah. thoughts on your Cleveland Indians as we go into spring training. I was going to spring training. I, I'm I'm honestly excited. It sounds weird. Most if you read any other like Cleveland blogs and things, people are like angry and flipping out. I'm excited. You know, it's time to get some fresh blood in there. Um, I'm excited for like a no expectations kind of year. For some reason, Indians do Cleveland teams do well with no expectations. So I'm I'm hoping for a little bit. Like I said, 85 wins would be great. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you know expectations lead to you know a lot of disappointment if you're expected to yeah win the World no Series, disappointment right? is what only, i'm excited about only just a nice team, fun yeah. year of baseball and i love watching baseball so yeah it's like hey worst case if they win 70 something games you're like i'm a little disappointed but yeah. if they win 80 85 if they get to play in a playoff series yep that's huge that's like yeah yeah let us know 80 wins do you think the indians will get there let us know at 30 racket sports facebook twitter instagram will the pitching keep things up let us know for more than 150 years, the farm belonged to the Norman family, who first herded sheep, then ran a dairy, and later raised crops on its gentle slopes, which overlook the Tuscarawas River. The original farmhouse and several slate roof built outbuildings still stand on the property, and its red barn sits atop a stone foundation inscribed with the date 1899. Today, the Woolly Pig Farm Brewery occupies a converted barn that once housed a tractor and plow. Its beers are sourced from the same natural spring that nourished the Norman family, their animals, and their crops for generations. Between the brewery and the old farmhouse, 12 varieties of hops climb 20-foot-tall trellises. The tasting room has given new life to rustic planks and hand-hewn beams rescued from a collapsed outbuilding. 
mean, it's an ink spot up there it along does the Tuscarawas River. It looks cool. Over in Census area. Census, <laughs> Census Desi- location. Census location, location, excuse me. Fresno, Ohio. Yeah, Fresno, Ohio. Those are some hairy fucking pigs. Yeah, no, it looks cool. Um, that's definitely... Uh, it seems like the whole the whole kind of look of this brewery, based on the pictures, based on the, the bottles, based on the can, is it's one of those things that kind of has a, a simple design. Mm-hmm. You know, just a couple flowers, and they're kind of their... Uh, their insignia, you know, kind of yeah. the, the woolly pig stamp, if you will. But there's a whole lot more to it. There's some nice writing. There's some some nice subtle art. And I think that's kind of their beers are, you know, they're not your chocolate double mocha imperial IPA stout. But they're a little bit more simple, but they are still flavorful. And they almost kind of surprise you a little bit. And it seems like looking at... You know, it kind of looks like an old barn, but you go in and there's some nice woodcrafted, you know, stools and whatnot to oh, sit yeah. on. And it's just one of those things that just kind of gives you that nice, old-timey, simple, but refined feel. From the beer all the way to the location, to the bottle, yeah, and everywhere through. Well, and from my understanding, they're very, they do a lot of sustainability stuff there. So a lot of, I think I read somewhere that even like a lot of their barrels are wood barrels made from like the collapsed uh, outbuildings that they were talking about. Oh, a lot cool. of the stuff that they have in their breweries is made mm-hmm. from stuff that was there on site. And it really is just kind of like when we were there, we were there in the fall and it, you could just kind of drive, drive and you're out there in the middle of the nowhere. And then it's just this very charming farm. And it says it's a little bit of Bavaria in central Ohio. And it's got those, you know, hilly northern Bavarian you know, yeah. kind of, you feel like you're not in Ohio anymore. That's you're kind of cool. out there in the fields of uh, Germany and everything. They're very traditional. Like you said, they're simple, but it's traditional and done very well. Kevin Eli is the brewer, very well-renowned brewer and does a fantastic job with these. This place is also family-run, too. Like, can't say enough good things about the Wooly Pig Farm Brewery. Yeah, if you, I mean, taking a look at their their hours, uh, their January and February hours, they're open Saturday one to eight. That's it. Yeah, it's it's about as you know because they got a rest of nowhere, a farm to take yeah, care of. Yeah, like down home, just trying to figure it out. You know, just small time brewery, but some very good beers. And it's something like if you happen to be in the area during that time, it. I mean, it's certainly. I was surprised by this beer because I was expecting it to be just one of those whatever heavy porters. You know, just mm-hmm. a Schwartz beer, not really anything special, but it's. A surprisingly good beer. Yeah, a, truly a one-of-a-kind experience, anything you do out there. Uh, Fresno, Ohio, the Wooly Pig Farm Brewery, our beer of the week. All right, guys, we're continuing our big chug, talking a little spring training, previewing Ohio's teams as we move closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, Josh, more than moving over to you as we move to, to Southwest Ohio and the Reds. Uh so far, Cincinnati uh, only spent $16.6 million for a ball, sir. For in, a ball. In free agent or in free agency, only re signing six uh, arbitration eligible players, which means no money has been spent <laughs> signing major league talent in free agency for the team. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's broiling. I would say the, the stove is just off. Yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. It's very cool. No heat. Thoughts it's outside on, in the snow. Thoughts on the Reds' moves, or I guess in this case, more lack thereof moves. 
so far through the quote-unquote hot stove hot period. Hot stove period, yeah. Uh, I'm not freaking out like a lot of the fan base is. Kind of like you said, Zach. Like If you like search the Cincinnati Reds somewhere right now, same way you would the Indians, you'll find a lot of people really hitting the panic button. Uh, you got to remember, and a lot of people are saying, oh, they're not spending, they're not doing anything, they're going to be a disappointment again. And it wouldn't be as bad if they had come out and said, we're going to prioritize getting a shortstop. If they hadn't said that, I don't think there'd be as big of an outlet. That's the problem. Uh, you yeah, can't do backlash. that. You can't, you can't no. say that we and just, then sit on it. We talked about <laughs> expectations earlier. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last year, I mean, the front office did spend $166 million on free agents. Uh, you can't. I feel like people can't forget that. They also had traded for Sonny Gray the year before and then Trevor Bauer as well. Yeah. In which you got a Cy Young award-winning year from. So I don't think you can, you know, be as angry as you want to here. The Reds are still a fairly competitive team. What's making things worse now is that I don't like I don't know if you brought this up. Well, there was up. the trade yeah, earlier. So like, well, the NL Central had like hardly spent any money. Yeah, they, and then they all spent of a sudden, four million up through I believe it was January like twenty fifth, and right. now finally you're starting to get some signings. Uh, Cubs have made a couple you Cubs know, small a couple MLB signings. signings. Jock Peterson, and then there was a big move in, in St. Louis yeah. training for Nolan Arenado as the uh, Cardinals did from the Rockies. Yeah, and I, I just that's what's got everybody is that, like, okay, that move is big, and I'll get oh, to yeah. why that move is so big in a minute. But, I mean, the one big thing for the Reds, what? I mean, doesn't hit well away from cores, and you know most St. Louis people that they get in trades kind of disappoint. Well, I'm not even I'm not even going to talk about hitting here. I'm going to talk about because everyone's worried about whether the Reds will hit. I don't think they have as bad of a year as they did last year. It'd be hard to. Um, and how the many runs did they have in the and playoffs? And the rotation is going to work out oh. like a little better than people think. You have plenty of people there that can fill out the four and five spot. Michael Lorenzen might step up. Uh, Tyler Malley might step up there, and then you've got a handful, so names. <laughs> a handful of guys like oh, TJ, that guy that played center field for them TJ Antone, Jose DeLeon, Brandon Bailey. Like all those guys could step up in there and fill the five hole. Was the Jose issue, DeLeon the one guy that came on against the Indians had like a good inning and then gave up like five runs in the second? I believe so. Okay. He's the one with the <laughs> Mr. Redlegs mustache. Oh, yep, yep, that's yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, the the thing that could hold the Reds back though, and like my one big thing with them is the infield. The infield last year was fifth worst as in terms of errors, let in about an error every two games. You've got and you, Suarez just as far as hitting was awful last year. Yeah, and again, I'm not going to touch on hitting because you it's, it's hard. It's hard to be worse than you were hitting last year again. But you've got a 37 year old Joey Votto at first base who was terrible defensively. He was a liability defensively last year. I, you know, I'll defend him. At the plate, but in but you have a great defensive second baseman, right? Not like a converted first baseman or whatever. Converted if, he's, third if he baseman. stays out there, you've got Mustakas at second, who missed 16 games last year and only hit 230. Uh, you've got Suarez at third base again. Suarez, I think, is the least issue. It's hard to do worse at the plate than he did last year, and defensively, still fine on the hot corner. Shortstop, like you mentioned, Greg, that's a big issue. There's been no signing there. Basically, what you have there is Kyle Farmer, 
I was going to say, isn't he a catch? Was it Kyle Farmer a catcher? He was a catcher. He was first baseman. He's kind of been the. He's been your Paul Yanish? Yes, he's been the Paul Yanish. Anyone gets that reference, uh, please get... tweet at us because I appreciate it. Uh, Farmer at shortstop actually is maybe his best stay. The name I haven't heard. <laughs> he's put out all 33 chances he's had at shortstop. Career, he's 242, and last year hit 266. So. Oh no, I think Farmer's been decent. I just yeah, a lot. Of I thought people, he was more of a bigger guy than like a kind of your fleet-footed shortstop. Right. Well, I mean, so yeah, you'd put him in there with Mustakas at second, and I don't think you're getting the most. Unless you're shifted uh, into the right spot. Ag- ag- yeah, unless you're shifted in the right spot, not the most agile in the nah. uh, middle of the infield there. Farmer's not bad. A lot of Reds fans are down on him, but like when you look at the backups you have here, you've got Alex Blandino who. Has been okay as a bench player. I was going to say, okay. he's like a 3-4. He's the 4A player that you're talking about. He does the whole really, roster. He's got a 350 on-base percentage. He's really not anything great other than a bench player, though. But that's kind of the same thing as Farmer, who you're going to have to use as a starter if you don't get a shortstop. So that basically leaves you with a really old Joey Votto defensively. No upgrades. Uh, second baseman who missed 16 games last year didn't hit as well as expected and not getting any younger how old is he like 35 34 i think 34 it's so defensively just just defensively in the infield you're looking at a rough year if you don't make an upgrade so you've got a right side of an infield I mean, that's you enough to apply th- for aarp cards I, right <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you can throw a shorts you could throw Ozzy fucking smith out there that infield was some mismatch I, the whole roster they spent money, but I don't feel the Reds, there's any cohesion with how they spend money or what they're doing. Exactly. Honestly, the roster to me is a mismatch of just players out of position. Especially when who, you, if you put it in the proper position. Yeah, there's might a lot excel, of guys out of position. Yeah, like you got, I, I, you got Moustakas, who probably should be a first baseman. You got yeah. Votto, who is a is guy. an albatross of a contract. I was going to say, he's a guy that you paid for the last, you know, eight years, not for right now. Um, mm-hmm. Farmer, who's probably just utility player that's probably be on the right side of the infield. Suarez, and then you've got like Akiyama, who was kind of a weird signing, who has been okay, but not great. Yeah. Uh, Winker, who's been better. And then like, you know, yeah, kind Winker's, of just, you Winker's kind of, great. Winker's, I think, maybe their most underrated player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was solid, but aside of that, you have a bunch, like I said, you have some, like, kind of the issue the Indians have had. You kind of have a bunch of, like, platoon outfield players trying to get some some space, and it's just right. kind of like, well, what's really so, going on out there? And so now yeah. you have the Cardinals who made the trade for Arenado and everything. So when you look at, now, now to go to the plate a little bit, when you look at, the Reds infield of Vado Mustakas, Farmer, and Gino Suarez, they slashed 231, 354, 424, 34 home runs. A little bit more power than the yeah. St. Louis infield of Goldschmidt, DeYoung, Arenado, and Edmund. Now, mind you, they could still go and sign Colton Wong, too. Um, could that would get be the Wong back. move. <laughs> could get thrown in there as well. But even yeah. that infield is slashing 264, 344, 04, a whole 30 points better on the batting average. Not as much power. Right. But then defensively, Aaron you also... Aaron played half his games at course. Let's remember that. So defensively, though, since they started giving out the platinum, platinum glove, right. there's been 10 platinum gloves given out. Yeah. Eight of the National League platinum glove winners are in the St. Louis Cardinals infield now. So when you when you you know aren't really sitting 
you're just kind of sitting on your hands. You're not really spending the money that you did in, in the last offseason. You haven't made a significant move. You mm-hmm. haven't done the one thing that you specifically told fans over and over again that you were going to do, and now you're oh, yeah. division rivals going and making moves like this. I think that's why fans are getting all worked up. But Definitely. Look Definitely. to spring training, though, to see one of these pitchers step up, whether it's What Tyler- are your expectations, though? My expectations are that they'll be competitive, but I just the depth. Like when you look at that infield, you can't, you cannot ignore the worrisome depth there. And if and if you don't see improvement there at the plate, then you're really in trouble here. And unless you're expecting some miracle to happen, like right. you, we need as an organization, as fans, you need to get this whole idea out of your head that Jose Garcia is going to be the shortstop. The kid hasn't played above high A ball. You're not just going to throw him in there as a starting shortstop. No, no, God, no. Don't stunt the poor kid's growth like that. Nobody should want that right now. No. Give him some chances. Yeah, but as a starting down, shortstop. Like, hopefully, I mean, like we said, hopefully, yeah, hopefully minor there's league, minor hopefully ball. Hopefully he gets a chance in uh, Louisville not, or where's their double A now? Is it Chattanooga again? It's Chattanooga, I'm I pretty mean, sure. He's but he hasn't played first. above. Yeah, he's got to play at least some double A ball. Yeah, because that's the first big jump they say with any young kid. It's not the low A's or the rookie ball. It's So I'm, I'm hoping to see... TJ Antone, Jose DeLeon, Tyler Malley, or we forget Wade Miley, who just he got injured last season, had, you know, kind of wrecked his whole thing, but wasn't really a bad pitcher by any means before that. Yeah. Look for one of those four pitchers to step up in spring training and kind of break out in spring training, fill out that rotation. I expect them now. If you had asked me a week ago before this Cardinals trade, I would have been more confident just because the division wasn't going to be as competitive. But now I think you're going to be battling way more than you expected to with the Cardinals and Cubs. Hope for a wild card spot again. Ooh. I don't I'm I right now I'm not confident that they can compete to win the division. Well, let us know your expectations for the Reds. You are also maybe looking at 80 wins or so again, seeing if they can Get above 500, get back-to-back playoff appearances. Also, of course, don't know what we're looking at for seasons schedule or no. playoff schedule or anything else, but let us know at 30 Rack of Sports if you're looking at a 162-game season. Do you think the Reds get above 500? Do you think they contend for a playoff spot? Let us know at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Guys, it's time for What is Brewing in Ohio. Again, shout out to our Beer of the Week from Fresno, Ohio, Wooly Pig Farm Brewery. Also want to give a shout out to a brewery we have had on a couple times to the show in Dayton, Ohio. It's Warped Wing. Oh, Warped Wing's got some good beers. Yeah. Good that beers. Gamma Bomb? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they got the Gamma Bomb. We've had the Creep Show. They just won a couple awards at the U.S. Beer Open Championships. Uh, and they have that new uh, barrel-aged uh, smokehouse thing um, up in Dayton, too. So Nice. They are celebrating their seventh anniversary right now. So congratulations to Warped Wing Brewing Company for getting it all started in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, for those of you uh, out off the beaten path, kind of over in the Fresno, Ohio area, Old Bridge Brewing Company in McConnellsville. Where's McConnellsville? McConnellsville is 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 out there, east, southeast, kind of no man's land. Is that out near you, Zach? I know where McConnellsville is. Yeah. yeah, Old Bridge Brewing Company. They have a cask release right now. Um, it is Bon and Saison, a French style farmhouse ale. 
Uh, it's a kind of a fruity farmhouse thing, a great refreshing saison, and uh, a cask beer too. So oh. definitely an interesting one there if you're out on the uh, southeast side of Ohio or making your way for whatever reason through McConnellsville. And then finally, guys, we've had this brewery on. Uh, I believe it was one of our first ones in season two, uh, the Stardust by Stardust oh, from yeah. North High. That was a good one. One of the more popular breweries in Columbus. And I would say they're moving to Cincinnati, but they are like basically invading that. the Cincinnati crazy. area. Like, what? With not one, not two. What? But three yeah. Cincinnati locations. That's, I saw that. I was like, what? Yeah, it's it's, like it's crazy. So it, I where guess it's, can I find these beers? So I Josh? guess it's like I want to know. Kind Tell of a, a partnership with a workspace kind of company, and they're setting up a bunch of like those locations. Uh, I believe there's one planned for Indiana somewhere, and <clears throat> excuse me, up in Northeast Ohio somewhere. But there'll be one in Hyde Park that I believe just opened. There'll be one in Kenwood, and there'll be one in Northern Kentucky. So North High Brewery, one of the uh, Popular Columbus breweries moving, again, not one, not two, but three locations down to Cincinnati. So a very cool thing if you uh, are a fan of the North High and get your share in Columbus. They're moving down to Cincinnati. Guys, you can find more of what's brewing at ohiocraftbeer.org. Follow them on social media at ohiocraftbeer. And you can find more from us about our Beer of the Week from Willie Pig Farm on our social media at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. We're going to finish things off tonight with a uh, with our cheers. Um, first off, we want to cheers Wooly Pig Brewing for the from the census location of Fresno, Ohio, their Schwartz beer. Uh, wonderful beer. If you find your way to Fresno, Ohio, we really uh, encourage you to check it out. Zach, who are you cheersing this fine evening? Uh, I'm cheersing Ohio State basketball. Period. Uh, the men, Chris Holmes done an amazing job. You know, like you mentioned earlier, got the seven-eight matchup with Iowa after a two-zero week. After a two-zero week, and after kind of thinking last year they might maybe be able to make a run, tournament got canceled. They come back, um, kind of had a few different rough patches, but are really turning it on. Um, so obviously, cheers to them. And then obviously the women, who honestly had a better week last week, as they had three wins. All against uh, ranked opponents and gave number seven Maryland and number 11 Michigan their first losses. They've been you doing know, good. Number 11 in women, uh, number seven in men. So they've been, yeah. a, they've been a team to be feared. In, so in cheers to both of them. Uh, Josh, who are you cheersing this week? Uh, I'm going to give a cheers to the Los Angeles Rams and the Detroit Lions for just making me laugh this week. That whole <laughs> thing was... This trade between Jared Goff and Matt Stafford I think is insane. I also think it's insane that you consider in 2016 the Rams traded two first-round picks to receive Jared Goff (laughs) and four years later traded two first-round picks to get rid of Jared Goff. (laughs) I never thought of it like that's great, though. Cheers, L.A. (laughs) And cheers to my man for having to move from Los Angeles to Detroit. (laughs) Uh so I enjoy you having a laughing matter for your cheers, but my cheers is really no laughing matter. Guys, we don't just cheers in Ohio. We don't just cheers in the U.S. with the Rams and the, and the Lions. We go around the world to find the best sports stories to cheers. Mine comes from uh, the Erste Divisie, which is the first division, which is actually the second division in the Netherlands. Okay. 
don't understand why. But uh, you've got team uh, FC Danebosch. They're a team that's near the bottom of the second division ladder, uh, possibly getting relegated. In a tough matchup uh, versus Excelsior, uh, down three Love to nothing. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Down three to nothing in the second half, but we're able to come back, get a point, finish with a four-four draw thanks to a four-goal eruption in just thirty-four minutes by a twenty-two-year-old right back converted to f- forward. You've had eruptions like this, right? I can't believe we're That's using that right. word right now. It's our guy, twenty-two-year-old. Dutch forward Jiz Hornkamp <laughs> only had four goals up to that point. How does he spell just his name for the for the folks at home? Absolute eruption for four goals in just 34 minutes. You think he could keep it together? Nope. Just right away. Nice and quick, 34 minutes. Jiz, J-I-Z-Z, if you're wondering. <laughs> Apparently a common name in the Netherlands. Uh, he left his top division team because he said, you know what? I'm not a left back. Jizz goes right up front. So Jizz Hornkamp setting things up, getting things out and running oh. for FC Dane Bosch. Sounds like Hopefully he jizzed on that sure scoreboard. They're not going down because you know what? Jizz and the boys are staying up. So shout out to FC J- well, Dane heard, Bosch. I've heard, it's an, I've heard the relegation, the pro rail process is an up and down process, Greg. So look. You gotta you gotta be in it for the full ninety minutes. Ninety minutes, and when you have when you have a four goal eruption in thirty four minutes like that, who knows what's happening? So shout out to Horn Camp and the rest of AFC Dane Bosch. That's Jizz Horn Camp and FC Dane Bosch. <laughs> what is it? This is not a joke. This is <laughs> second like division joke. Dutch soccer. Uh, Thank you. So shout out to the team for staying up. That's just one of those. Do you let- follow them? How did you find out about this? Of course. You're talking like this yes. was like a normal you thing. This like wasn't you, something that was you, trending on social not, media do due not, to. Okay. Do you okay. not bet on second division Dutch soccer? I mean, FC Cincinnati, they get a lot of the Dutch guys over. Jins, Jins Cincinnati, 2021. Anybody? Who Anybody? knows? Is what what are I mean, you going goals. to? I, I mean, know. we got four goals in like a whole season. Josh He's, seems to note Jins Cincinnati. Sounds like you have to. Uh, this this guy's got that's four a, goals. That's a very Quick quip by him. Four goals in half an hour? That's like a whole season for us. But uh, shout out to them. Shout out to Dane Bosch. And shout out to that relegation battle that's going on in the second division in the Netherlands. But also, guys, shout out to another group of people. Shout out to the listeners of 30 Rack of Sports. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, thank you so much to Wooly Pig, uh, their Schwartz beer. And uh, thank you so much for both of you guys. For uh, Zach on the opinions, good or bad. For Josh, on the ones and twos, and the Reds' opinions, up and down. And for the talent, always perfect, I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. Till next week.